Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly editions on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. And welcome. Yes, it is the Media Boat Podcast. We are back, both of us this week. Mike has returned from um, an important assignment. And um, yeah, we're back. We're It's episode 397. It is August the 22nd, 2023. And we have some stuff to talk about today. Yes, feels good to be back. Um, got to spend some time with someone awesome out there. So <laughs> Indeed. It, it's good. Uh, you know, had a good time. Be good to be back here. But yes, thank you for covering from last week. I just will recap i did listen uh still have yet to uh watch asteroid city kind of want to yeah, it, it's on my list recommend recommend it. yes it's on my list it's on my list i was hoping to get to it so we could both talk about it it's okay. didn't get to it quite yet but it's it's on my list and because it is on peacock i think it's gonna be easier to watch but yeah yeah all right uh but we're not gonna start here with the movie section no we're gonna start with the music section we got the music section with the billboard. We start the billboard with the Hot 100. Indeed. And the hottest song in the land is Richmond, North of Richmond by you, Oliver Anthony Music. Have you heard of this? No. Is this a TikTok thing? So partially, yes. This was a guy who posted this song on social media a couple weeks ago. It went viral among the far right it has a passionate conservative listenership and they mass bought digital um mp3s of the song in order to push it to number one okay so you mean it belongs right up here with fast car (laughs) number two by luke holmes and last night by morgan wallen at number three is that is that accurate to say then I mean, it is and it isn't. Uh, actually, um, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Cracker Girl on there. Um, I just actually retweeted an article that, ha- that talks about this exact phenomenon. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, yes, it is partially buoyed by the recent popularity of country music. However, it is different in which this guy came out of literally nowhere. He's not like a Jason Aldean figure who is an established country artist trying to get clout. This is a guy that was literally just being buoyed by a like some stupid culture war stuff. So will we see more of this happening? Who can say? Uh, But this is just the first example of that. So yes and no. It's like, yes, it's partially part of this like country renaissance thing that's happening right now, but also almost reaction to it. I don't know. It's it's complicated. Sounds like a cruel summer. (laughs) Thinking of at number four, Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. And rounding out your top five, Calm Down by Rima. And Selena Gomez. Yep. So, yeah, beyond that first one, uh, new number one this week, not a whole lot new going out Mm -hmm. on in the rest of the top five. As for your album chart, your billboard 200. At number one, Utopia by Travis Scott. At two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at three, Manana Sarah Bonito, Bichota Season. By Carol G. Uh, at four, Barbie, colon, the album, by me, both favorite various artists. <laughs> and rounding out your top five, Speak Now, 
Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. So yeah, only story here really is Carol G entering, debuting at number three here. And mm -hmm. then yeah, also notable, Utopia. That's the third week at number one. Congratulations, Travis Scott. Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, still haven't yet to listen to it. But if you like any of those albums, we have new releases. Big release week. Big release week. There's a lot of stuff to go through. Yep. Uh, this is all your releases coming in before the long um, weekend. Yes. Is it this weekend or is it next weekend? No, next weekend will no, be next Labor weekend. Day weekend. Yes. Yes, next week is Labor Day weekend. So, new releases include Bite by A Giant Dog. And I think they made that name on purpose to say it like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, we also have Road by Alice Cooper. Yes, that Alice Cooper. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also Mommy by Be Your Own Pet. <laughs> uh, Haunted Mountain by Buck Meek. Not to be confused with Haunted Mansion by Muck Beak. <laughs> no. Uh, there's also Realms by Cindy Wilson. I'd be lying if I said I didn't care by Hannah Georges. Jump for Joy by His Golden Messenger. Uh, there's also And That's Why the Dolphins Lost Their Legs by Islands, some great names here. Yeah. Uh, Jubilee by Old Crow Medicine Show. Yes, that Old Crow Medicine Show. Uh, the Window by Rat Boys, which I saw you tweet yes. out. Very excited for that. There's also Spelling and the Mysterious School by Spelling. <laughs> uh, that feels like a Harry Potter thing going on, doesn't it? I know, it? it does sound like <laughs> that's what they're going for there. Uh, but wait, there's more, because you can also listen to Perfect Saviors by The Armed, A Cat in the Rain by Turnbike Troubadours. Yes. Yes, I'll probably be listening to that album. <laughs> and <laughs> lastly, Jaguar 2 by Victoria Monet. Yeah, I didn't know. Do you have that on your radar? Did you know that turned by Troubadour's record? I did not know that was coming out. Well, there you go. Your Friday is set. Yes. You'll have I will see. have new music to listen to. Yeah, you'll see. I have to see how the whole family reacts to it. Yes. <laughs> or even if they are aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just listen to the same like five songs from them over and over. So, well, there you go. New material, whole albums worth of new material for you. Yep. Maybe enough to go on a tour. And yeah. speaking of tours, uh, five, uh, this goes right to our first story. Yes. Five time Grammy winner Lauren Hill has announced a 25th anniversary tour for her iconic debut solo album, which would be 1998's Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Hill's former group, the Fugees, who abruptly canceled a planned 25th anniversary tour around their multi-platinum album, The Score, album last year, will open only the U.S. dates, presumably because of member Prof. Michel's legal challenges stemming from his recent conviction on international conspiracy charges. With its pioneering fusion of R&B, hip-hop, and pop, Miseducation was one of the most influential albums of the 1990s. 
entered into the Library of Congress in 2015, it was the first hip-hop album to receive an Album of the Year Grammy Award and made Hill the first woman to be first woman to be nominated for 10 Grammy Awards in one year and the first woman to win five Grammys in one night. However, she has only released one album since then, an MTV Unplugged Concert album, which was recorded in, tw- in 2001. Although she has toured frequently. So, yeah, um, I included this story this week because um, this is kind of a big deal. I mean, it's a landmark album uh, for the genre, mm-hmm. for Lauren Hill specifically. And yeah, it is kind of, I think a lot of people were disappointed when she decided to just not like record um, after this. Kind of put the career in just potential like pause uh, and instead just touring instead of like recording music. And so, yeah, I think to have a proper celebration for the record is really smart. I think a lot of people will go to this. A lot of people will enjoy it as it is. Yeah. One of the most important records, if maybe the most important record in the 1990s. Um, and also excellent. And if you, if you haven't listened to it, I definitely <laughs> recommend it. It's a classic. It is interesting to see that she's going to, she will tour on just this album or yeah. add anything else, new material, lost material. It's anyone's guess. Unrecorded stuff. You could see. Perhaps. Uh, but um, while she's coming around, I wish this uh, next story would go away. <laughs> because first, it was Justin Bieber. Then it was Demi Lovato. And then is Ariana Grande again. Repeat <laughs> redux. Yeah. As reports of artists leaving Scooter Braun's management stable have been piling up faster than indictments of a certain performer <laughs> president. Yet, unlike indictments, there is little solid information to be found on what is being positioned by some as an exodus from Braun's SB projects. Uh, Demi Lovato's amicable departure has been confirmed off the record by sources from both camps. However, Justin Bieber's allegedly impending departure was strenuously denied by multiple sources. Although uh, Puck of TMZ, uh, which, you know, first reported some of this, insists the story is accurate. Um, At least that's what he's telling people. Uh, And Ariana Grande's exit, which, if true, would indeed be the second time that she has parted ways with him, uh, which the exit was strenuously denied by sources close to Braun, while a rep for the singer did not respond to Variety's request for a comment. Um, but there is, the article does eventually go on to say that this could be due to Scooter Braun stepping away from management himself. So that way he's not singularly involved with these people and more so handing them off to his management company. Yeah, that seems to be possible. That may be why uh, this is happening. That was specifically and related to him moving into a more prominent role in the um, the company that bought his holdings group last year, which of course is the company that also backs a lot of K-pop artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a theory that, yeah, that maybe just he's moving up 
and going to be focusing on maybe the K-pop stuff and isn't going to run his own management company directly anymore. That's not confirmed, but neither of these departures, um, it's all over the place right now. A lot of people are, uh, you know, of course, taking advantage of this and saying, oh, wow, Taylor did this. This is Taylor. Taylor put <laughs> an enchantment on everybody at the Eras Tour. Who knows? Obviously, you know, it's easy to put a narrative of your choosing onto this story. But um, still, nonetheless, if these, if this is the first variety of the story, which is that they are just straight up leaving, it makes you wonder what caused it. Like, what's different now than it used to be? Right. I mean, also take note that both Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande haven't put out an album in, what, two years, three years? Well, both of them have extenuous circumstances why that would be the case. I mean, Justin's had health issues for the last few years, Mm -hmm. canceling tours and dealing with that kind of struggle himself. And then Ariana, of course, famously had a bunch of really difficult tours before she released two very cathartic albums about that experience. And since Positions has been largely quiet because she's been moved on to film projects. She was still involved in um, shooting Wicked up until the uh, the strike shut that production down. So um, there are reasons why they haven't been in the public eye, but there are also reasons why you'd want to be out of Scooter Braun's management. So it seems like it's a combination of things, maybe. And eventually, we, when we do hear confirmation, maybe we'll learn more. Yeah, it this is a very early developing story. I think it started today, right? Or at least that's what the article. Uh, I've from. been seeing it for the last couple of days. Uh, okay. But today I saw um, Ariana Grande. I had already seen just the Justin Bieber headline a couple of days ago. Okay. So this is the third major artist to be leaving. Yeah. Is it now? Is it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it his management or is it just SB Projects in general? It's SB Projects, but he's the head of that. So it's both, I guess. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Did you listen to anything? Um, Nothing, nothing really big that I would want to talk about, really. So, no. Okay. Uh, Well, then, let's move on over then right into video games. And we start with new releases, including Fort Solace for the PS5 and PC, Immortals of Avium, for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. WrestleQuest for everything. You got it? You can play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Blasphemous 2 for the PS5, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. Because the first one was Blasphemous enough. Never <laughs> is. Uh, there's also Ride 5 for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. But Get your hard drive space cleared for it is time. Armored Core 6, colon, Fires of Rubicon, officially drops this upcoming week Mm -hmm. to the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and the PC. Sorry, Switch owners. (laughs) This one is going to be a beefy game. Yeah, I mean, uh, needless to say, a lot of people have been looking forward to this. If you're not aware, this is from software. These are the Souls people. They had already the made Elden these. Ring people. Exactly. Yep. They had already made these Armored Core uh, games before, of course, hence the six. But the difference this time is, is that a lot of the people who made the beloved Souls games are directly involved in this one. So it's seen as kind of 
a Souls evocation of the franchise and will combine a lot of game mechanics from both series into one. Um, it's looking for a pretty big, uh, like big sales, like considering how many people mm-hmm. loved Elden Ring. Um, however, is the mech stuff a little too niche for a lot of those people? I guess we'll find out. Also, it does try and boast a lot of customization for each mech, but whenever we've seen this before, how much of it is actual customization and how much of it is <laughs> just a little bit of a stat boost every single time? Yeah, I mean, we'll see, but uh, but yeah, uh, otherwise, yeah, a lot of people will be excited for that one. Uh, I will not be playing. Uh, yep, I'll be passing on this one as well. <laughs> no, I've cleared my table because uh, next Tuesday is Goodbye Volcano High, and then the following Tuesday is Starfield. Ooh, that's finally here? Yeah, September 5th for Starfield, so... No, um... I mean Goodbye Volcano High. <laughs> yes, that's finally <laughs> out next week, but yeah. Uh, so two, two. Uh, so in the meantime, yeah, um, kind of just waiting for that to come to happen, and then then I'll be set probably for the rest of the year. All right, sounds good. So yeah. So let's get right into some video game news, shall we? And ooh, pour one out, or woohoo, no more. Charles <laughs> Martinet, the longtime and famous slash iconic slash only, I don't care what you say, voice of Mario will no longer be voicing the iconic character Nintendo has announced. And in an official tweet, the company stated that Martinet, who has voiced the mascot for over 25 years and in over 100 roles, will be stepping down from voice acting duties and will instead be taking on a new role of Mario Ambassador. (laughs) Quote, Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Super Mario 64. Charles is now moving into the brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games. But he'll continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. Nintendo has confirmed, or sorry, close quote. Mm. Nintendo has confirmed that Martinet will not voice any characters in the upcoming Super Mario Brothers Wonder uh, video game coming out later this year. Quote, character voice actors will be credited in the game credits, so please wait for the game to be released, a, a spokesperson said. So that last bit was in response to a lot of press outlets asking one, if he was in Wonder, and two, if we'll know who the new voice actor for Mario will be going forward. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like they're ready to tell us. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see when Wonder comes out, if there's going to be one permanent replacement, or do they have like a series of people that they can kind of just slot in to do Mario voice whenever they want? Like it's a good or question. if it or if they just do Chris Pratt and double down on it. I doubt it. Because he costs money, and yes, Nintendo does. does have a lot of money. I'm not saying they don't. However, they're not going to spend it on every single appearance of Mario. Like I really supremely doubt that, especially if they can get a lifer like Martinet. We actually, I believe, it's Martinet. To be clear, I remember being corrected by that one uh, on that once. Um, <laughs> I think it's Martinet. Anyway, at the movie or at home, Martinet. Um, but yeah, anyways. The joke was for like five people. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes it's just for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like who knows? Um, 
about that part of it. But it is, yeah, it's a sad one. It's an end of an era because that means since Mario 64, that means like most of our lives, he has been the voice of Mario. Like since 1996 onwards. Over a hundred video games. If you've seen Mario in a video game, it's been voiced by him. And so, yeah, like it is sad, but ultimately it's cool that they're keeping him in the company. That they're mm-hmm. letting him, presumably, judging by the title, show up at, like, you know, events and stuff and, like, still be a spokesman for the company, which is cool. Still gets the paycheck, yes. Yeah. So it's, um, I think it's a win-win for him. I think he gets to retire, in a way, and just, like, live his life. And, um, yeah, we'll see what they do going forward with Mario. But judging by the trailer for Wonder, it seems like whoever they do have doing Mario's voice is doing a pretty good approximation of that Mario voice. So I'm not worried. Worst case scenario, worst timeline, Nintendo adopts AI for this. I saw some people floating that around being mm-hmm. saying that, like, well, they do have a lot of recordings of Mario <laughs> saying woohoo and other things in very like in various ways like they could just take that stock of recordings but a lot of people were smart to point out like well yeah but that technology is a moving target especially for nintendo consoles the next console is probably going to have higher fidelity audio than even the switch did and so they are they going to constantly just uprise those files no they're going to record new ones and so yeah that only works to a certain extent i think um so yeah i don't know if if thankfully i think there's enough reason for them not to do it that way that i don't think they're going to do it that way well so that's why it's the worst timeline that could possibly happen <laughs> but yeah i mean what is it 25 years as the voice of mario well deserved like oh yeah like lots of people know not just his voice but probably his name as well yeah. associated with mario yeah pour one out for charles except actually don't because i'm really enjoying this key line pie boobly <laughs> Anyway, well, it's okay. Well, don't pour one out really for him because he's not like going away. He's still being a part of Nintendo. Oh, what you should be. Go ahead. No, no, I'm letting you do this excellent segue. Oh, because what you should be pouring one out for is Microsoft Xbox 360 store. Yes. As Microsoft has announced, and it'll be closing down the Xbox 360 store next year. In a new post on the official Xbox Wire log, it was announced that the ability to buy new games, DLC, and other entertainment content from the Xbox 360 store will officially end on July 29th, 2024. This specifically refers to the ability to buy content directly through the Xbox 360 console and the ability to buy content from the Xbox 360 marketplace site. It does not affect the ability to buy backwards compatible Xbox 360 games and DLC on the Xbox One or Xbox Series X stores, which will continue to be available. Microsoft stresses that while the Xbox 360 store will close down on July 29th, 2024, players using their Xbox 360 consoles after this date will still be able to use all their previously purchased Xbox 360 games and DLC. Yeah. So, yeah, this isn't too mm-hmm. dissimilar from when uh, Sony announced that the PlayStation 3 store was closing, except yeah. it is different in one way, and that is the fact that Microsoft has been pretty good 
at backwards compatible, at, 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 at making their future platforms, I should say, backwards compatible. Compatible, like so, it puts them in kind of a unique position here. They can say, "Hey, we're going to shut this door down," but not actually take away access to the vast majority of these games that are affected. There are going to be exceptions, though. I'm sure that there are websites that are aggregating games that are currently on the 360 store that you cannot get backwards compatible or on other storefronts. So if that matters mm -hmm. to you, if you're concerned that there are some things that you never got to play or never got to buy that you're going to miss out on here, go seek that out. Go find a list like that and download them now because you've got a year to do it now, roughly. Um, but honestly, I feel like the number compared to that PSP or P uh, Vita mm -hmm. or PS3 num number that we got before is so much smaller with Microsoft because they did a lot of the due diligence to move a lot of the stuff forward. Yeah, I feel like Microsoft has been good about the backwards compatibility, like you said, for the um, the X and the S and the Xbox One. Uh, but yeah, this is specifically items with the 360. Um this also does technically mean that if you still own an Xbox 360 and it hasn't red ringed yet, <laughs> you could probably not say this is actually for sure, but have a very rare game on a very rare officially working console mm -hmm. until that decides to crap out because I think it probably will at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Are, are you establishing a like are you saying that you could uh, envision a um a PT like scenario in which like five years in the future somebody has a 360 that has some weird ass um, uh, 360 only ending game and they sell yes. it for like hundreds of dollars like hundreds of thousands of dollars because yeah. you can only play it on this one console maybe maybe so that's you you could be that person just look at those lists right now we're telling <laughs> you here uh but yeah I, I this isn't gonna affect most people negatively uh, that's the good news here. Yeah, mm -hmm. it sucks potentially for the one or two games that are maybe not going to come over, but check it out. See if that's affected something that you care about. Yep, check out the lists. All right. Mm -hmm. Did you play anything? Uh, honestly, I even kind of dropped off at Diablo finally. Like, Ooh. I played it a lot less in the last week or so than I was playing it before. I think the new season content just wasn't doing it for me. It's a lot of repetition, a lot of doing the same things over and over again. So right now I'm kind of in a little bit of a no man's land. I'm looking for something to keep uh, me occupied until Tuesday. Um, so yeah, not playing a whole lot. I mean, Tuesday's not that far away. It's just oh, next thankfully. week. Uh, let's see here. I was able to platinum Final Fantasy 16. Wow, bit of a grind because you have to go through the whole story again in New Game Plus. But thankfully, because I did everything in the beginning, the only things that I had left to do was beat New Game Plus, um, get everything like unlocked in terms of like my abilities, so everything was statted out and. I think that was it. Oh, and defeat the um, the lone monster that only appears in New Game Plus. So once that was done, it was like very easy to just say, okay, I've done officially everything now. Uh, but it did bring up a good um, topic of, at least um, with my doctor, of why are you playing New Game Plus? 
<laughs> why why play through it again? Didn't you just yeah. play through the story? I'm like, yes. I'm not going to play with all the upgraded weapons and stuff. I need <laughs> more badass going through it. Yeah. Um, it's a hard concept to explain if you haven't done it yourself. Because, yeah, yeah. it does seem like a lot of hours to repeat. Uh, I did it in about 90 hours. That's a lot of hours. No, 80 hours. Still a lot of hours. <laughs> but, I mean, compared to, like, the 50 or 60 hours I took being in the game originally, going around and doing everything, to the hyper-fast 30 hours it took me to just platinum it yeah. at the yeah. end. It is a different kind of pace. Yes. Yeah. Definitely a different type kind of pace when I'm not sitting through at 30 minutes of uh, Square Enix stylized uh, CGI scenes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can skip them. Um. That reminded me, you saying returning to something with different power-ups reminded me. I actually did try something new this week. I totally forgot. It's not technically a new game, but it's a new mode in a game. I don't know if you noticed. All editions of Vampire Survivors this week were updated with a couch co-op mode. I think I saw that somewhere because Gamescom was coming up. So it was a little before that. It was last week they dropped this. Any place you play it, it's been added for free. You don't even need to buy the DLC. And yeah, uh, Christy and I uh, played some co-op and it was so fun. It was a blast. Um, it's really cool. It's really good for beginners too, because even if one person dies, as long as the other person in the, the group is alive, you'll still revive, which is nice. You can play up to four people at once. We were just playing us too. And how it works is it divides the um, power-ups right down the middle between the two of you so you're taking turns getting power-ups every time that they're offered to you when you level up so you kind of have to communicate with each other you can be like hey okay so i have this you should get this because this one helps you like if you choose this you're helping me upgrade my thing and like by and stuff like that it's mm -hmm. a really cool dynamic it adds some depth to the gameplay in an interesting way there's even items that will help both of you. There's an item that will just level up both of your stuff. But you can be selfish and be like, well, no, I'd rather have this thing that's just for me than help the whole team. And it can really change the flow of the whole, whole thing. Also, one key difference when you're playing co-op is how a lot of enemies work. In fact, I feel like how most enemies work in Vampire Survivors is that they swarm the player, right? But because there's two to four players now, they'll be magnetized towards different people so for the first time ever in vampire survivors you can get behind enemies and like attack them from like a different angle than you can usually attack them because they're chasing your friend and not you it changes a lot of little pieces of how vampire survivors works it's a lot of fun so i recommend anybody who is has friends over or lives with someone who wants to jump in on vampire survivors if they're if they haven't yet or if they're a fan uh, already or if they're not like it's it, it offers an option for both of you to play or up to four of you to play and it's a really fun time okay uh i would like to make one mention of a game that came out um couple uh 10 days ago uh called stray gods colon the role-playing musical I have you heard of this saw this i thought it was a fascinating concept and I didn't pull the trigger on it because I read some reviews and the reviews were pretty negative. Okay. So 
uh, I had a friend like talk to me about this uh, the mm-hmm. past week and kind of convinced me to try at least check it out, at least get more information on it. Mm, okay. Because it's deals with Greek gods. Right. It's a role playing game mm-hmm. with musical abilities, and you have a limited time of seven days to figure out what happened before like the end. Yeah, that stuff was interesting. So the name's a little bit of a mislead mislead. It's not really an RPG. There's no combat or anything. It's a right. visual novel. Um and the decisions that you're making are actually the most interesting part because from what I what I was able to figure out is that during the musical numbers, decisions you make can actually change how the song sounds. Like it'll insert and remove certain like lines of the, of of song or like literal melodies. And so your songs will be different depending on the decisions you make. Again, fascinating concept. Sounds amazing if they could pull it off. However, like I said, when I was looking at people's reactions to it, looks like mm-hmm. that maybe the actual music wasn't that great. And that it didn't super feel like you were making long-standing um, changes in the narrative uh, through those decisions. So, uh, yeah, I was hesitant. Also, no demo available. I was hoping there'd be a demo on Steam because a demo for this, I think, would go a long way. There's no demo available, unfortunately. And it is a bit of a steep price tag. It's $30 on everything. Mm-hmm. So that's ultimately what turned me off. Great concept. Sounds fascinating, but it sounds like it's just not quite there, and I'm hesitant to spend 30 bucks on something that may not be fully there. Right. So maybe we'll revisit it later in the year when it's on sale. Or if it like shows up on um, Game Pass or yeah. Extra or something. Honestly, if that's a Game Pass thing, I'm playing that right away. Like mm-hmm. as soon if they do that. So. All right. Uh, did you play anything else then? No, that was it. Well, then let's cruise right along as we do into television. Mm-hmm. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. There it is. All right, sports this week. We have a wrap up for you with the Women's World Cup. Spain beat England 1-0 to win the whole thing. Your individuals. Yes. Congratulations, Spain. Your individual winners in the cup. Hinata Miyazawa from Japan won the golden boot. Mm-hmm. Aitana Bonmati from Spain won the golden ball. Mary Earps from England won the golden glove. So yeah, congratulations to the them. top score uh, in Hinata Miyazawa for Japan with five goals over the course of the tournament, including two against, was it, I think it was Switzerland in the semis. To get to England, um, Aitana Bonmati scored the only goal in that game, so she was the MVP, winning the Golden Ball. And then, even though she lost, Mary Epps, five shutout games throughout the tournament. So congratulations! And as we talked two weeks ago, or three, yeah, two weeks ago when the U.S. lost, there's a lot of good talent in the world now. Turns out, yep. So yeah, um, overall, unfortunately, unfortunate cup for here us in the U.S., but otherwise a fun time. And it seems like a lot of people enjoyed some of the more uh, competitive matches that we've seen in a long, long time. Oh, so, it was really good to watch. Yeah, even if I 
had to wake up at like two in the morning to watch it. <laughs> Speaking of competition, competition in the NFL is heating up as the preseason continues, including the Commanders beating the Ravens, which ended the Ravens' 24-game preseason win streak. The last time the Baltimore Ravens lost in the preseason was 2015. They have been dominant for the past seven, eight years now? Mm. Eight years um, in the preseason. Just, I mean, technically they don't matter. <laughs> like, you're putting in your backup players and you're yeah. like, your secondary career and you're trying to figure out who makes the final roster. But still, 24 game streak. Impressive. Yeah. Um, also impressive that ESPN thought this might happen, so they put it for the Monday Night Football game. <laughs> it's smart. It worked. Yeah. Worked out and for them. Is, It just feeds into the online theories of, oh, the NFL is so scripted. They, Of course they promote this streak for so long only <laughs> to have them lose on Monday Night Football. Yep. It's fitting. But uh, so, so far, preseason, any other preseason highlights for you? This upcoming weekend, I believe, is the last preseason week. Yes, 26th and 27th. This is the last week in the preseason before we get to actual NFL. All right. Well, so we'll see what happens in the final uh, week yep. as we go into this, the season proper. This also means that starters are being named. Starting QBs are trying to take form. They're trying to get reps with the number one team. Mm -hmm. And the running back market is finally starting to settle down. Depending on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, fantasy update. How's, how's that? What's the schedule for that? Um, as for your fantasy football updates, all your drafts need to be in and completed uh, in two weeks by uh, Labor Day weekend, as that first game uh, is the following weekend on the 7th, I believe. Okay, good to know. All right. Anyway. Yep. Out. Uh, 23rd. 26th. Yep, 27th. And then they get a week off for Labor Day, and then... Mm -hmm. Kickoff is September 7th, Kansas, Detroit at Kansas City. All right. Well, mark your calendars for that. In the meantime, we move from football to baseball where, uh, uh, well, uh, one guy is uh, no longer going to be playing, uh, at least not for a while. Hmm. I wonder why. Oof. Yikes. Wander Franco, the Franco, uh, the 22-year-old all-star shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays, was placed on administrative leave Tuesday as MLB and law enforcement in his native Dominican Republic investigate allegations of relationships with underage girls. This Yikes. has been the story ESPN has been running for the past four days as more and more stuff comes out. Um, first, mm -hmm. it was just him being on leave then it was uh, the police grievance mm -hmm. then it was tampa bay taking a more serious action and now as of yeah. today we finally know why all mm -hmm. of this has been happening basically the vibe is is that this pretty much means he's not playing for the mlb um like period maybe um mm -hmm. a lot of people say that maybe he'll just play overseas ball um while he's kind of in 
MLB purgatory here, but administrative leave seems to mean pretty permanent, um, at least until things change. And it doesn't seem like things are going to change. Uh, because he is, what well, I think as fresh freshman first year, uh, he yeah. is still being paid the league minimum, mm-hmm. but that is through the um, Tampa Bay in a, uh, office and not through MLB. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you're not going to hear from him in a while. Um, mm-hmm. So mark him off of your, off even your though list he, there. he was one of the hot stars of the all-stars uh, game this past, what that was a month ago, July. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's just another example of like you, your personal life does eventually come to get you in your professional life. You have to keep things clean. Mm-hmm. If you do stupid shit like this, you can't play the sport you play. I'm sorry. It's just the reality of it. Um, and this is pretty egregious and there's a lot of proof out there. So it's like, yeah, there's not really anything you can do about this. Uh, he's just not going to get to play baseball here. That's just how it is. You reap and then you sow. Anyways, are you sowing then you reap? You, you reap what you sow. Reap what you sow. It's true. All right. Let's move on out of professional baseball into Little League Baseball. Our update for the Little League World Series this week is that the championships began on Sunday and the World Series matchup, will, or sorry, Saturday, and the World Series matchup will be Sunday. Do we have teams for that? I see that you got your research face on. Uh, well, because California is playing Rhode Island right now. Okay. And they're up 4-0. There you go. There but you it's go. also they're the only mitigation game because they lost to Texas. So um, How's uh, perennial favorites Hawaii uh, doing? Uh, they lost. Ooh, yikes. It's because California is taking their place. Wow. They nice. lost in the regionals. Super regionals? Regionals. Um, but yeah, they are still playing. Uh, the games, matchups take place the next couple of days through this week with the individual championships for the U.S. and the international um, on Saturday. And then both winners will take place in the World Series matchup on Sunday on ABC. All right. So look forward to that if you want some Little League World Series action. In the meantime, college football uh, will begin shortly. On Saturday, we will have our first games. So get College football, it's here. Also means that college sports betting is here (laughs) also it means that if you're part of the teams that are about to in a season leave your current division uh better watch (laughs) now while you can because tv rights are going to be up for grabs again at the end of the season with all the shakeup. so uh yes watch your favorites while you still have them kickoff begins on this saturday august 26th when navy takes on number 13th ranked notre dame on NBC at 11.30 in the morning with official kickoff. All other games for that day and that weekend will continue after that. All right. So look forward to that. Any other sports news while we're on the subject? Uh, let's see here. Oh, James Harden and the NBA. Yes. Uh, typically, we don't cover like off-squabble beef in, <laughs> um, in any sports, really. Uh, especially out when they're out of season. But mm-hmm. when you have someone who has notoriously demanded trades like James Harden, who specifically said he wanted to play at a specific team in the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers, mm-hmm. and then to this offseason say he will not suit up for said team because of management 
and he has been officially been fined a hundred thousand dollars. And this is why I have been saying all this time that James Harden is not a good basketball player. I mean, yes, he's good on he's good. He has good skills. Skills. He's good on the court, but being a teammate and getting you a championship game, he is not the person you want on your team. And here he is yet again, <laughs> demanding a trade, demanding not to play for people, just ego. Sounds like it, honestly. I mean, this does have to tend to happen with the uh, with the NBA because of just how vocal their players are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is an especially interesting one just to see because of the level of star that James Harden is. Um, well, do you think anything comes out of this? I mean, yeah, he's already been fined a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, beyond but, that, I guess. Oh, uh, be, I mean, beyond the drop in the bucket for James yeah. Harden. Uh huh. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's nothing yeah. to him. No, no, nothing. I don't think so. At wow. least not until um, preseason starts, and he probably holds out, and then announces early retirement because he can't do anything. Well, I guess we'll see. All right. Let's move on then out of sports and into television news proper. We start with a story about Netflix, uh, but not the streaming Netflix. No, um, a few months ago, we mentioned that Netflix is ending its well-known DVD rental service. That's the rental by mail service after 25 years. And to commemorate this event, they're putting on a special giveaway consisting of DVDs for a select number of fans. A few days ago, Netflix sent an email presenting the giveaway called The Finale Surprise, a farewell to the film known service offered by their website, DVD.com, which is what they were branding their DVD by mail service at the end of their their run. The email invited the fans to review their queue and move their must-watch movies to the top by clicking a red button before August 29th. The bad news is, is that this promotion is available only for U.S. residents. As a farewell gift, though, Netflix will send up to 10 discs to fans subscribing to this promotion. If you participate in the giveaway, you should check your mailbox regularly as Netflix won't let you know if you've won and how many red envelopes they are sending out. The DVDs will come to your house once the DVD service is shut down forever. And yes, you don't have to return them. You can keep them. So yeah, um, this is a nice little parting gift that they're doing for a select number of people who were so diehard that they were still signed up and still had an active queue uh, for DVDs by mail. Um, this is neat. Technically, you can still sign up for this. <laughs> At $10, um, you can sign up for their monthly service at $10 a month and put all the films you want into their queue. Um I'd say that I have done this yet, <laughs> but it is something that, hey, they we talked about this when they said that they were shutting down their DVD service, that what are they going to do with all these DVDs that they just have stashed around? Like, turns out, just give them away. Give, yeah. them, to, give them to your, to your um, loyal customers it's or you know, people who just want DVDs. <laughs> uh, did, it did not say in any of the um, promotion whether Blu-rays were added to this or if it was just DVD specifically. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I guess it's more of a grab bag of, hey, we're just going to grab 10 random uh, discs and send them to you. So if you somehow end up with like season four of Friends, season two of Lost, and Garfield the movie, 
congratulations, you technically won because they sent you three DVDs. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing is it also says to move stuff up your queue. So it doesn't sound like it will be completely random. Mm -hmm. It does seem that at least for some of them, they will tailor it to what you were requesting. So maybe you don't end up with Garfield the movie. Unless, of course, Garfield the movie is your number one queued, which is, I don't know, you're a lost cause at this point. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's neat, though, and I'm glad they're doing it. It's a cute little uh, feel-good story. Yeah, I mean, it makes me want to kind of go in there and see, like, okay, what are some like old-time movies that like I know that are classics that are not going to be on streaming that you can't find that I can just, hey, probably get from them for $10? Yeah, could be worth like checking out and investigating, but then again, it is kind of like you said on a lottery system. Just because you put it in your queue doesn't mean you're gonna get it. So right, yeah. but we'll see. Hey, we'll uh, see. write in by the way if you are one of these people who get DVDs in the mail. We'd love to hear your experience. Mediaboatpodcast at gmail dot com. All right, <laughs> let's move on to our next story yes we do talk about jeopardy a lot here but uh hey there's another opportunity so why not do it again this time the subject is celebrity jeopardy specifically on whether or not maya bialik would return to host season two well she's out and it's for the reasons why you might assume maya is a member of sag aftra as well as the wga as far as i know and um, is going to support both strikes by not appearing to host Celebrities Jeopardy Season 2. On Monday, ABC issued a press release with changes to their fall schedule, noting that instead, Ken Jennings will host the new season, which premieres on September 27th at 8 p.m. Showrunner Michael Davies revealed earlier this month that material for the second season was completed before the WGA strike, so the upcoming season will completely uh, will feature completely original material and did not involve the work of scab writers. Uh, that's important to note. Of course, then the question, of course, turns to Ken Jennings. He has not made any public statements in regard to his support or lack thereof of either of the strikes. He's being very careful not to even mention, mention them. He, in fact, has largely dropped off the face of the earth on social media, a lot of people have pointed out, I think, to avoid potential mm -hmm. criticism for continuing to host Jeopardy. So, a couple notes about this. He is not a member of SAG-AFTRA. He is a game show host, which is an exception to the SAG-AFTRA rules. That's in the rules that you can appear on game shows during the strike. That was one of the exceptions. The question is, and what a lot of people have rightfully pointed out about him, is that even before the sag after strike, Maya Bialik said that she was not going to be host even back then because she wanted to stand in solidarity with the writers who were on strike. It doesn't matter if this material was already written by them and recorded. Maya's argument was that as long as the writers are on strike, she didn't want to appear on the show in which their work was being promoted. Ken apparently not is not in agreement with this, he chooses to continue. Not only that, but I think it was uh, I think it was Michael Davies who on a podcast said that if push came to shove, that they have a litany of unused questions yeah. and a litany of questions that have been used because you know Jeopardy has been on for right thirty years that they can use. You know, probably nothing that says 
current top like <laughs> movie or top of the billboard when it's from like 1995. <laughs> right, right. But just that there it was floated by the showrunner that they would potentially use um questions and answers or answers for questions um that were not written by the current writing staff of Jeopardy. Right. So I mean honestly I think it depends on what I would love to hear the perspective of a writer for Jeopardy to see what they would mm -hmm. say about all this. Um about whether they think about Ken Jennings' decision to continue what they think about the show still like actively airing. Although I want to note that it has been in re reruns for quite a while at this point because they're in their traditional summer break that would have happened anyways. Well, that's so, because it would have been the Tournament of Champions and the um, Second right. Chances. But because Miami Alec is not hosting those, mm -hmm. which is a special selection of Jeopardy, this has been canceled for this year. Well, in addition because... to that, yeah. a bunch of the people who are supposed to appear dropped out in solid also in solidarity so you had a lot of prominent jeopardy champions say no that they weren't going to show up for the tournament of champions mm -hmm. so ultimately they had no show to do so they couldn't move forward with that but yeah it's an interesting mess yeah. honestly at the end one of, of the, the many conundrums coming out of the the uh, writers <laughs> and actor strike indeed so we'll of course you know keep everybody updated on any changes they go for forward but yes there will be celebrity jeopardy but it will be hosted by ken jennings so mark yes. your calendars for that let's move on anything else in television any thoughts about shows from this week um because i didn't get to talk about it last week hard knocks is back mm -hmm. um this mm -hmm. time it is with the jets uh the j-e-t-s new york yes, yes, jets. jets yes uh, who recently acquired um, one MVP, future Hall of Fame like inductee Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Unless over, he really screws it up. Unless he really screws it up. Um, <laughs> over, over the offseason, but more recently, this past week, they acquired uh, one running back, Dalvin Cook, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. So interesting to see how that plays out over the past week on this upcoming episode. But uh, needless to say, when this was first announced, um, there's a lot of talk about, well, we don't want to give them all this access. We don't want to have like all the cameras following us. We already have the media circus following us with Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. We don't want to add on top of that. Right. But it seems like that, yes, Aaron Rodgers is deeply embracing this <laughs> as he is being featured prominently in all the marketing material and in most of the episodes. It's not yeah. like in past seasons where like your star named players get like an episode or part of an episode of the spotlight and then everything else is related to the act the rest of the players trying to make the team, trying to make the roster. As I noted about this what a couple of years ago with Hard Knocks, that it has evolved less into rookies trying to make the roster and more of here's what goes on in preseason and training camp because everyone has access to social media everyone sees updates instantly that it's no longer a big surprise when something happens yeah um, i mean yeah of course of course because you're of course going to showcase the the biggest person like that you can to like really own in on the drama part of it because mm -hmm. he brings a lot of drama and baggage to this team Especially Both good and bad. Yeah. yeah. That's so, why he went to. That's why he went to New York, where they can accommodate 
a lot of baggage. <laughs> so is it at least entertaining? Like, I know you've had a lot to say about the move of content in Hard Knocks over the years, but uh, is it working right now in this current setup? I mean, it's the Jets. And I don't really care about the Jets. But that being said, it does. I do see people, in, especially in fantasy, going for the Jets and getting the, um, as we call it, the Hard Knocks bump because you see them on a weekly basis, you're like, ooh, I like that player. Yeah. They're throwing good skills that I wouldn't normally see in training camp because I only get to see them in the two or three catches that they get during the preseason games. But if I watch them in training camp, ooh, I can see more skills and more sh- showcase more of like who I like. Mm-hmm. So that always tends to happen around this time. All right. uh, other than that, I coming back, only murders in the building. Yes, that's true. I watched this as well. Officially back. Um, I've only watched the first episode. The second episode is up. Mm-hmm. The third episode is actually today, right? Yeah, I think it's a, yeah, it's tonight, I believe. Yeah. Um. So, Paul Rudd, pretty good in it. <laughs> um, interesting take to start this year. Start the season with a Meryl Streep voiceover. <laughs> and just showcasing her as if to put her into the spotlight because, hey, if you have Meryl Streep in your show, why wouldn't you thrust her into the center stage of this entire thing? Yeah, I mean, the good news is is I was worried about like, oh, these big names are going to overshadow what the show is. Maybe they're going to mm-hmm. try to engineer it where it's about the guest stars. So far, not been the case. Um, actually, they've been really good, uh, done a really good job balancing out uh, the star power with what you want to see, which of course is the dynamic between your main three uh, stars. And they're doing a good job of it so far. It's um, running about with it the, at the level of the previous two seasons. I'm having a good time with it so mm-hmm. far. Um, um, yeah, and I'm really interested to see how they do the mystery part because already in the first episode, they really throw you for a loop by the end of it. They're like, oh wait, okay, now this is what's happened. Um, and so, yeah, they did a good job of, I think, the the twist reverse twist twist thing yes especially because you they start i did season two with the uh the initial death which wasn't even in the building you're like well how can they call it only murders in the building if the death isn't even in the building what's going on here and of course oh, but typical, they rectify that <laughs> yeah and in typical fashion they make fun of that themselves they make sure yes. to mention wait a minute it didn't even happen in the <laughs> <laughs> because because if anything the show continues to be a great parody of the idea of a podcast and the mm-hmm. modern mystery podcast and what it means to create one and some of the best jokes in the show are when it's able to poke fun of itself like that so it's yes. it's it's pretty good i also do like how they set up at least in the beginning here how this could be very well be the last of only murders in the building um as selena gomez is character mabel could potentially be moving out by the end of the season. Yeah, there are a lot of stakes um, in this season that weren't there before with some of the main characters, and it does make you wonder what they will do with them by the end of the season. There's a lot of mm-hmm. what-ifs um, that I'm interested to see how they resolve. So, uh, yeah, so far, so good. Uh, it, it remains a a quality show. So. Yep. And speaking of murders that are wrapping up, The After Party. Yes. New episode is tomorrow. As is episode eight, which is where the first season ended after eight episodes. This one doesn't say specifically season finale. <laughs> so makes me curious that there might be one or two more 
episodes after it. Apple TV may have given them the bonus episode like they did with Ted Lasso. Yes. <laughs> and so maybe they'll have an extra one to work with. Um, yeah, another show where I'm like, they've been doing a fairly good job of covering up exactly how the mystery is going to go. I will say one thing about this season of The After Party. I was kind of cold on it in the, the first episode. Then I warmed up. Now I'm a little like less warmed up. I'm still think it's pretty good but i think what i've noticed is this season feels like they do a lot of stuff around the periphery of the mystery and then only give you like two or one or two bits of information for the next episode yes each episode has a lot of backstory for each Mm -hmm. character before they get to how and why they're at the wedding and honestly i'm a little disappointed in that because i feel like they did a better job of really stretching those out in the first season and making you feel like everything mattered and everything was important here this feels like less stuff is important and so you're feel like you're sifting through all of everything to find what matters well i think where the first season had it going good is that because it was a high school reunion that they could provide those flashbacks to what happened 10 years ago and everyone was in the same kind of area of being in 10 years to now. Whereas with the after party, it does feel like all these kind of disconjointed um, people and players in the characters all converging and you know what got them to converging rather than why are they still here? Yeah, it's just a little less impressive, I think, the mechanism of it all. But maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'll be wrong by the time that they're wrapping everything up. I think like after the last two episodes, it does make me want to go back to the first one and kind of like, okay, I know they dropped a big clue in here somewhere. Where is it? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just not seeing it yet. Right. Yeah. It is a series that I think just may actually benefit from a, from a rewatch. Right. In the, just the way that it's structured. So we'll uh, follow back that with that one uh, once it does wrap up and see how we feel about it. I think that's all I've been watching then. Yeah, I think that's it. So that means we can move on to oh, some cancellations um, and uh, wait. Nope. Nope. Um, starting tomorrow, Ahsoka, Disney Plus, two episode premiere. Uh, we'll be talking about that possibly next week. Next week. Watch this space. In the meantime, cancellations and renewals. Let's do it. What am I no longer watching? Prime Video has confirmed that a league of their own will not be... Uh, uh, continuing for a proper second season they had previously said that they were considering a like shorter second season like a three episode drop i'm not sure if that's still happening or not this seems to suggest it's not uh so it was being canceled at prime video but the production company is still shopping it around okay. for that second season to be picked up at a different location so we'll and see. you're right it was shortened from a proper second season to a kind of like a trilogy of episodes to wrap things up, but you're correct that it's mm. no longer going to be on Prime Video. Yeah. Probably, I don't know, Freebie has Prime Video. Hulu, Roku, maybe. Who knows? But uh, here's hoping they find some sort of phone, a home because I did really enjoy that first season. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Prime Video has canceled the peripheral. The unplugged. Uh, uh, same, this is the same thing. <laughs> Where All they right. previously greenlit a season two, but now are backtracking on it. Got it. No word if this is going to be shopped around. Okay. So those are your cancellations. We also have some renewals this week. MTV is bringing back RuPaul's Drag Race for 16th season. 
is this the first on MTV specifically? Because I know it was on VH1. It had been on a few different channels, uh, I um, believe. Um, it didn't say this was the first one on MTV. Okay. It just said it's going back on MTV. Okay. Then in related news, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars will get a ninth season, but that one will be exclusive to Paramount+. Plus. As well as the, I believe this is the like the uh, companion series to yes. RuPaul's Drag Race, Untucked, which is getting its seventh season on Paramount+. Plus. Yes, that is the companion behind-the-scenes piece right. for RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Both Got of those it. specifically for Paramount+. Plus. Got it. So check that out there. Those are your, oh yeah, and Max is bringing back, um, and just like that, the Sex in the City um, continuous continued story uh, for a third season on Max. So there yep. you go. It remains to be just like that. All right, let's talk about some deaths. Uh, just a few this week. First, we have Ron Cephas Jones, age 66, actor currently well-known for This Is Us, was also in Luke Cage and Mr. Robot and won Emmys back in 2018 and 2020. You watched a lot of This Is Us. This is a sad one, I'm assuming. Yes, uh, he was the grandpa character. He was also the abandoned father, so he had a very prominent storyline, which is how he ended up winning the Emmy, win, get the Emmy wins in supporting actor in 2018 and 2020. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one, 66, young. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to say lung cancer. But yeah, yeah, um, this one was a shock. But yeah, um, especially more well known recently. This was the past like five, six years. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Like, I mean, it's one thing to say that like that that, that it's it's actually really cool that somebody who is later in their life can have a career like mm -hmm. this, where they didn't have to be you know like run up the ladder. They could like be an older person and already have a career like this. But to see it cut off so early is very sad, and it makes it all the more tragic. Um, so, yeah, definitely definitely a sad one there. Speaking of sad and young, uh, we also have Magoo, who was a rapper, worked with Timbaland, um, and a songwriter who wrote Up Jumps to Boogie, as well as some other songs. I saw a lot of people pouring one out for his specifically his era with Timbaland. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, just really depressing. Age 50 is really young. Yeah, I mean, it just shows how young they act they were even in the like nineties and two thousand when they were coming right. up. Yeah, and they kind of heyday. Yeah, kind of heyday of like being in their prime, or yeah, hard to say when their prime was, but yeah, but it'll be uh, yeah, definitely a sad one. I mean, Timbaland mm -hmm. continued to make hits, um, um, but yeah, like it's sad that Magoo won't be given that option, given that opportunity. And lastly, we have John Warnock, age 82, a computer scientist and co-founder of Adobe Incorporated. You probably are using an Adobe software right as I speak. Uh, you probably also have PDFs on your hard drive mm -hmm. specifically for Adobe. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, pour one out. John Warnock, responsible for at least part of that. So, uh, yeah. One of the co-founders. I believe he was also one of the people originally at Pixar who went on to um work and co-found apple or oh, uh, adobe uh, adobe wow yeah. i did not know that all right hey, he's part of he's part of that he went to apple to pixar to just do straight up adobe okay to that smart guy super smart guy sounds like it all right and we all on. owe a debt of um 
Papa Bears to him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. And good things too, and good things, yes. and bad things. Anyway, let's move on to the last section of the show here and talk about some movies, starting with the weekend box office numbers. Against all odds, your number one movie this week is Blue Beetle with $25 million in its debut. I think that actually came above expectations for Blue Beetle. I saw numbers as low as 12 uh, when they really? first started to make estimates for this. Yeah, I was like, getting 15 numbers, 15 to 20 range. So saw, yeah. to see 25 by the end of it, it's pretty good. Probably better than they expected, but that being said, still disappointing for a big superhero movie. And I'm sure DC is really crossing its fingers that once the James Gunn stuff starts happening, that the tides turn because mm -hmm. this is just dreary. This is, I can't imagine what they are thinking. Every single time one of these comes out and just bombs. Well, I mean, it. this is also why, even though James Gunn has come out and said that Blue Beetle is a part of the new DC universe, According to his roadmap, it is not like the beginning right. of it. That still has yet to start officially. Yes. And when it does, hopefully it'll make a difference. But for now, I don't know if it can. But hey, fingers crossed. Yeah, I think that's a lot where a lot of this comes from is the confusion of is this the old DCE mm -hmm. or is this the new DC? Yeah, they didn't really make a proper cutoff. Mm hmm. But uh, what's not cutting off is the success of Barbie, as in its uh, sixth or seventh weekend, it is still making cash. It's your number two movie this week with another $21 million and $566 million domestic. Wow, that's a lot of money. It just continues to print money. <laughs> just People love seeing that Of movie. course, that money is colored in pink, but yeah, still continues to print money. Barbie money is money. Number three, Oppenheimer, another $10 million this week. That's at $285. Yep. Ashy no, money is money. Yeah, not still not bad. Not Barbie, but like it's still doing well. Number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant May Mayhem with another $8 million. That's at 88 I'm hoping for it and pushing for it to get to that $100. i have heard it is quality, um, and I want it to make quality money, but uh, we'll see if it can. And then wrapping up your top five is Strays which is your raunchy dog comedy uh, that premiered to $8.2 million. So that was probably pretty cheap to make. However, it does involve probably a pretty sizable effects budget to make those dogs talk. So I'm wondering if they will break even on this. Also a pretty sizable uh, amount to get the starred voice actors yes, for it. Big names on that thing for yeah, some stupid um, reason. <laughs> Pour one out for uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, executive producing on this, um, just like they did with Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? They've, they've shown that their taste falters every once in a while, so can't blame well, them. Every now and then they want to make a raunchy R-rated movie. I mean, that's fine, just as long as it's like decent. This does not seem like it is decent. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Let's move on to new releases. If you didn't want to see any of those, here's your new releases. <laughs> this week we have The Hill. What is this, The Hill? This is uh, right. Is it Randy Quaid? No, wait, which which Quaid is it? <laughs> which Quaid is it? Yes. Um, baseball movie. Baseball. Uh, really, uh based on uh, the baseball player named Hill. Who was also a pitcher? Oh, oh who, that's convenient. Yes, and his uh, unorthodox road to the MLB. Um, this follows 
right in line with the footsteps of American underdog, mm-hmm. the unconventional way of football player Kurt Warner into the uh, NFL. Except without, without the weird Christian angle, right? No, no, this is also the weird Christian angle. Man. <laughs> It's the only way you can make a sports movie anymore is to have a weird Christian angle attached to it. <laughs> Anyways. Dennis um, Quaid. That's it. Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yes. So that's The Hill Golda. Uh, this also... is your biopic uh, starring Helen Mirren. Got it. And then finally, after being delayed a few weeks, Gran Turismo, based on the video game. If you didn't watch it on your PlayStation, you can now watch it in a theater. Well, as they go. advertise you a PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are your new releases this week. Let's move on into some movie news. This one is the one that I've seen making the rounds the most this week. Um, Bradley Cooper is in the news. I almost said in the nose. That would have been an interesting Freudian slip because this story is about his nose, or more accurately, the nose that he is wearing in the upcoming biopic about Leonard Bernstein. Bernstein? Bernstein. That's what Leonard R.E.M. says. Bernstein. Yeah, that's what R.E.M. says. So I'm going to believe yes. Michael Stein. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Bradley Cooper this week caught backlash for wearing a large prosthetic nose to portray Leonard Bernstein, Bernstein in Maestro, his upcoming bio- biographical romance film about the late conductor. The controversy sparked the latest discourse about a concept called Jew face. I'm using that in quotes. Thank you. Hollywood stereotypical or inauthentic portrayal of Jewish people. But... The Anti-Defamation League, the notable Jewish organization fighting against bias and bigotry, has come to Cooper's defense, saying that his depiction of Bernstein is not anti-Semitic. Quote, throughout history, Jews were often portrayed in anti-Semitic films and propaganda as evil caricatures with large hooked noses, said the ADL in a statement to Variety. This film, which is a biopic, almost did your thing, uh, (laughs) on the legendary conductor Leonard Bernstein is not that. End quote. Meanwhile, Bernstein's three children, Jamie, Alexander, and Nina, also publicized their support for Cooper and Maestro, Maestro, whatever, writing in a statement on Twitter, quote, Bradley Cooper included the three of us along every step of his amazing journey as he made his film about our father. I should mention Bradley Cooper is also the director of this film. We were touched to the core to witness the depth of his commitment, his loving embrace of our father's music, and the sheer open-hearted joy he brought to his exploration. So, there's a couple of things that conversations are happening here. One is, yes, is uh, like, is it offensive? And I think that what the uh, ADL is saying here does warrant some, like, some some truth. I mean, they're right that if the intent is to be derogatory towards Jewish people, then those exaggerations are malicious. It is not coming from like a good place. It's obviously coming from a negative place. It's to insult. It is on purpose. Here, the choice is being made just to be accurate. They're literally saying, did he have a nose like this? Yes, we're going to try to emulate that nose on um on bradley cooper's face it is a choice that's being made on purpose in good faith and not to be malicious i mean you could compare the same things like why would a um a character be put in a like for example how about let's talk about um 
what's his name in the whale last year's uh Brendan Austin, Fraser. Brendan Fraser yeah. in the whale last year. He played in a fat suit because the the point of the character in that film is supposed to be obese. It is at the part of the plot. It is to achieve a goal. So that's one part of the conversation. I think the other thing that's happening here is the question that was asked about Brendan Fraser as well, which is, well, why is why did we cast Brent, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper then if he does not have a nose like that? Why don't we just do the extra work and find an actor with a nose like that? And then we would necessarily also preferably from Jewish descent, which Bradley Cooper, as far as I know, is not um, to do that. Like, and so that's a valid question. And it does. And we've had kind of questions like this over the last uh, decade or so of film. Like, should we doing be doing more work to accurately represent using working actors who can more ap- accurately re- represent these uh, these people? Absolutely. But Bradley Cooper is also the director. He's also financing this. Of course, he wanted to be in it. And so he did the thing that was closest to what he could do while remaining the star of the film. So it is what it is to a certain extent. But yes, that work could have been done. Yes, to me, this comes from two different um, areas. First one being an aesthetic choice mm-hmm. to uh, essentially get you to not look like, oh, it's just Bradley Cooper playing mm-hmm. Leonard Bernstein. It's to help get not just him in character, but to portray it on screen as this is Leonard Bernstein as maestro in the film that he is directing, that you don't want to get the distraction of it's just Bradley Cooper. The other thing is that when this film does come out, I'm going to assume that the Bernstein children will be part of the uh, uh, executive producers on this, mm-hmm. part of the production on this, and that possibly they are saying this to one, promote the film, but two, give it their blessing so people, when this does come out, don't result in the in this kind of backlash. That all this came out because they put out a promotional image for it. And then immediately put out the fire. Not yeah. we're gonna put out an image. We're gonna put out the trailer. And then when the film comes out or premieres at a festival, that oh my god, that's all people are talking about. That we can squash this now, right. and people can focus on the film. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is that the internet is the internet, and there will just always be a quotient of the internet that is not going to focus on the film and still talk about this until forever. Uh, yes. So yes, but you're right. They did what they could. I think ultimately, you if you can't take the family members word for it then i don't know what you're waiting for i don't know what else you expect to happen and so yeah ultimately they did what they could i agree with you they did the right thing which was try to get it out in the open make a statement about it as soon as possible and just say hey this is coming out in good faith we you know this is what it is i think there is some value to a conversation about this kind of thing it's just that i hope it doesn't devolve into internet squabbling which of course it already has and that's just the reality of the internet it's like we can't have a civil discourse anymore because it's just it doesn't allow for it yes but as we've seen especially with the award ceremony which as we saw with a star is born and bradley cooper that this (laughs) is exactly where it's kind of trying to aim for that they want to squash any talk of that now rather than in november and december when people start voting on this thing right because we've seen what happens when baggage and kind of defamation starts to creep up in terms of award season take a look a couple of years ago at james franco with the disaster artist how he was on such a high and then the stuff started coming out about him and immediately lost all of that momentum 
And it's even tougher now because Bradley Hooper can't say diddly squat because he can't promote it because he's SAG-AFTRA and yes. he's on strike. He can't say a single word. So yeah, it's another wrinkle to the story, which is if they are still on strike in awards time, there's nothing they can say about anything. So yep. we'll see how it goes. I wonder if this is how we found the loophole to it. That if I can't talk about it, <laughs> other people can talk about it. Well, again, though, if they were, I, I am choosing to believe that they were involved in the film uh, yes. and that, yeah, it makes more sense for them to say, speak to it anyways, instead of Bradley Cooper. So this, this would have been the right move no matter what, if there was a strike or if there wasn't. All right, let's move Speaking on. Speaking of the strike. <laughs> Speaking of the strike, here's our little fun update for y'all this week. Well, fun is maybe a stretch, but it worked for the pun I wanted to do for the Chiron. The Entertainment Community Fund has raised more than $7 million and distributed $4.7 million plus to more than 2,300 film and TV workers as of Friday during the strikes by the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA. Given, quote, given the heightened rate of requests for emergency financial assistance due to the work stoppage, the fund is distributing about $400,000 to $500,000 per week. That was according to the ECF on an update today. Meanwhile, SAG-AFTRA's Los Angeles Local and the Writers Guild of America will host a National Day of Solidarity rally today. That was today, yes. yes that outside was today. Disney Studios. SAG-AFTRA has said that key issues in a strike include economic fairness, residuals, regulating the use of artificial intelligence, and alleviating the burdens of the industry-wide shift to self-taping. Meanwhile, the DWGA, after four straight days of bargaining last week, will resume negotiations this week. By the way, we don't know how those, uh, what was the content of those, and we don't know how they resolved because there was a media blackout on those. So that is why that stuff didn't escape. We this do know that they were supposed to meet yesterday on Monday, but that meeting did not happen. So that's where we're at, by the way. In case you guys were wondering mm -hmm. why there hasn't been any news, that's why, because meeting was not allowed in those behind, behind those closed doors. Correct. Anyway, its chief, its chief strike issues include pay raises viewership-based streaming residuals, the preservation of a writer's room through minimum staffing and guaranteed days of employment, and guardrails against the use of, internet, of artificial intelligence to write scripts. So pretty much everything is as it has been. Uh, nothing's really changed, but it's good to see that they have them at emergency financial assistance that they need and desperately need to continue striking, um, and that bargaining will continue going forward. Um, We'll, of course, you know, update if anything changes or any updates happen. In the meantime, it's just a holding pattern until stuff gets ironed out. Yep. Um, and we will continue to watch the space. We will continue to uh, promote both SAG-AFTRA and WGA uh, when news breaks, when, uh, when this does eventually get resolved. Yep, exactly. And that'll do it for movie news. Any movie thoughts this week? Did not watch a movie. Um, like I no, said you, to yeah, you. Yeah, you just lived one. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I just lived one. As I mentioned to you um, pre-pod, uh, Asteroid City. I mm. Really interested in watching it. Um, haven't got around to it. It's on the watch list. I will watch it by the end of the year so I can put it, possibly put it on my list. We'll maybe. see. We will see. All right, then, in the meantime, that'll do it then. Uh, that'll wrap up the movie segment, and that will wrap up this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. So mm -hmm. thanks, everybody, for tuning in and or listening on your device of choice. If you want to see this podcast and more podcasts in 
video form, you can go to youtube.com and search Media Boat Podcasts. There you'll find our channel with our archive of shows, as well as the ability to subscribe and click the bell to get notifications for when new videos are uploaded. You can also listen to us in audio form through traditional podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Apple, uh, wait, I already said Apple, Amazon, um, et cetera, et cetera, all the ones that you use podcasts to listen to podcasts. We're there to search Media Boat Podcast. You can also find us on social media channels like the artist formerly known as Twitter, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page there. Twitch.tv slash MediaBoat, where you can occasionally see us play video games. Watch us next Tuesday, where I will hopefully give uh, a jump into Goodbye Volcano High. And then uh, we're all sorts of places, including our Discord, MediaBoat Podcast, and IMDb, where we have a, a list <laughs> of all our episodes because they scraped our data. And then last but definitely not least, you can see an archive of our shows as well as some of our writing on MediaBoatPodcast.com. And you can email us questions, comments, feedback about the show at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. If you write us there, we will listen, we will read your, uh, we'll read your, your spiel. question, <laughs> your spiel on the show, just like I did last week on last week's show. So uh, send them in and we'll read them here. Yep. Uh, that's it for us. Good 90 minute podcast. Right on episode. the dot. Right in, right out. Uh, we'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts. Uh, Ahsoka turned by troubadours. Uh, was it rat, uh, <laughs> mouse, rat boys? <laughs> you got there, rat, rat mouse, mouse. Rat, yes, <laughs> rat boys from you. Uh, all that and more on next week. Yep, so tune in then. See you guys next time. Okay, bye. bye.